0: Europe calling with Vince Tracy and Terry Whitehead So very good day. Welcome everybody to our podcast. Today is the 12th of October. 2023, the day of Hispanidad, of Spanishness, if you like. Very special day here in Spain. Our weather is slightly fresher, slightly fresher. I'm not too sure what it will be like elsewhere, but for me, here down on the coast it has not been quite as hot as it has been over the previous few weeks. I'm going due west around about 40 minutes um, sensible driving and I should uh, find Terry Whitehead. So good, m- good afternoon to you Terry and Ellie slipped into good morning but um, how are you and uh, are you enjoying your day of Spanishness?
1: Yeah, I had a very good day of Spanishness. went for a nice walk uh, along the beach uh, this morning and ended up having lunch with a friend of mine. Which was answered uh, to a very nice uh, curry so I't was very really Spanish really, but we' were very Spanish as much that we we're uh, having a nice rest and a bit of lunch
0: well uh it just really shows you how lucky we are this uh, particular day of Spanishness because uh out elsewhere in the world we've got to start talking about Israel, so I'll preface everything that's said by saying our heart um the thoughts and Uh, Prayers go out to anybody who's already suffered, and, you know, there are two sides to this. Um, So let me just say, first of all, um, that um, I picked up something that's in the papers today, and it is written, "I, uh, we must head to the squares and streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday. This is uh, Masal, who currently heads Amasa's diaspora office. Uh, Diaspora, sorry, office in a recorded statement sent to Reuters. Uh, This particular man is based in Qatar and he told the governments and the peoples of Jordan, Syria, Lebanon and Egypt have a bigger duty to support the Palestinian tribes of Jordan, sons of Jordan, brothers and sisters of Jordan. This is a moment of truth and the borders are close to you. You all know your responsibility Um, He went on to say to all scholars who teach jihad, to all who teach and learn, this is a moment for the application of theories. Uh, Jordan and Lebanon are home to the largest number of Palestinian refugees. This is a former head of Hamas, so not somebody whose words will be taken lightly. Um, Terry, it's a dreadful situation. Um, I've got to try and get away from the emotive side of things, but that is a statement which is really a call to arms, isn't
1: it? Yeah, this is this is going to get bigger. Uh, unless somebody can nip it in the bud quickly, uh, it's going to get bigger very quickly. I think this is... You don't fire 5,000 rockets into Israel um, without uh, expecting um, the resulting... Uh, Revenge, shall we say? Um, so to me, it's been very carefully planned to poke the bear in a very strong way to get the bear to react. And I'd imagine they've got planned the next parties to lure the bear into a trap and kill the bear. So I would imagine there would the, the 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 reaction from Israel would be to go straight into Gaza, which appears to be what's happening, and then to get a reaction from uh, allied Arab countries, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, um, to be able to attack Israel from the north, the the, uh, the east and the south. So I can't see any other, any other reason why Hamas would have done this at all. I really can't. Um, Israel's reaction, uh, you cannot blame them. What are you supposed to do? Do nothing and say Please don't do that. And then, ten thousand missiles come across. Where has Hamas managed to get five thousand missiles from? Iran is uh, the classic um, supplier, I would imagine. Um, but does it matter? It's 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 not come from Palestine. They've certainly come from Arab, other Arab friendly countries. Could it even be Russia, for that matter. That's my
0: That's, thought. I I, yeah, I would. So
1: it would serve Russia to have something else going on. Yeah. To take the the world's eye from what's happening in the Ukraine.
0: Although, of course, it was the uh, 50th anniversary of the Six Day War, if I'm if I've got that right. Um, and it really it beggars belief that the Israeli um, secret services didn't seem prepared that something was likely to happen um you know uh, uh, not that uh, obviously i claim to be anything other than just a, a, an observer uh, somebody that reads and obviously tries to sort of understand what's going on um, all as i do realize is that throughout history ever since the end of the second world war and probably just a bit before that as well we've had partitioning in what is Israel uh, as we understand it. And it's always seemingly gone a bit quieter, then, you know, got a bit more heavy, and then before you can say uh, too much, uh, it all flares up again. But I don't really see a totally right and a totally wrong in this. I think that there were things going on that weren't right, but the answer is not to do what Hamas has done, which is to come in and butcher people. And, you, you know, uh, when you look at the uh, the reporting of what's gone on, y- you can see quite clearly that there's a lot of very mixed up people in other parts of a certainly British society, if you go by the British papers, who basically don't understand terrorism for what it is. Um, it, you know, there's not really ever a fully justified excuse for some of the things that we're reading at the moment in my opinion not that my opinion really counts for anything in this it's just basically trying to understand it um it's been it'll play out now but they've they've
1: achieved what they wanted to do they provoked the bear they've just poked the bear they've stabbed the bear in the back side and knowing full well they're going to get a reaction and knowing Presumably, they believe that that reaction will cause uh, mass support from from neighbouring uh, Arab countries, which means um, annihilation of Israel. Which Iran is publicly declared is is their uh, is their plan is the annihilation of, of Israel. Yeah, and I'd imagine that's what they're after. So this is well, I hate to think about it, but that coupled with what's happening in. In Ukraine could
0: lead to another world war Terry I'm not going to stay too long on this because until we get more information it is speculation and uh, I'm going to move away from that particular story and um, not speculate in fact we will go straight to uh, what we've got today um, So, today is the day of Spanishness, the celebration of uh, Christopher Columbus, of course, the celebration of the fact uh, that at least we still have some semblance of law and order here. There is designated authority delineation and whatever you need between the church and the state although um, quite clearly you can see that with the Virgin de, del Pilar as the patron saint of the Guardia Civil and um, other things going on um, you, you know it, it's it's almost like you, you've got to have some sort of order um, and have everybody understand that that, that it's it, it is order um, otherwise, stability will never return at all, and realistically, um, you know, it's in a total affront everywhere on life as we knew it and have known it. It, it, it doesn't really bear thinking about what comes next, does it?
1: No, but we have to. Um, we have to give it some thought. We have to be prepared for what can happen. Um and you're talking. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's very very worrying, very very worrying at the moment,
0: a Yeah. Well, I've been worried for a long time about many aspects of this. Um, and, and as I say, rather than speculate, the only thing that I feel sensibly we can do is wait and see how it pans out, and then obviously offer our thoughts. It, it's probably by next week we'll have a much clearer picture. Um, But, you know, I I do consider myself extremely fortunate to be part of this Spanishness thing. And I wonder, I mean, obviously the Israeli nation has got a a clear identity. Um, I think they've had to fight bitterly for their Mm -hmm. existence uh, over so many years that when you look at the people who have been offering all this uh, really, really trite stuff coming through the television networks and, and th- even through the parliaments in the UK um, at the moment. Uh, and slightly along the same same lines, the fact that, you know, we've even got the government here still not settled again after, you, you know, trying to go through democratic processes. I mean, r- really, democracy is coming under some heavy artillery at the moment, because quite frankly, um, you know, people are forgetting the alternative. If you only look towards Russia and China, uh, it doesn't offer really a, a great alternative to the way I feel. And I'm pretty sure I probably speak for many people people, don't I?
1: I'm not bothersome. Yeah, I think with Russia and China, Russia have proved themselves to be weak. Um, and Ch- China in the past has, uh, has rattled the borders of Russia. So uh, I could see them slipping in and grabbing a huge chunk of Eastern Russia to uh, to extend their territories, uh, and the Chinese. I could see that happening. Um, but regarding what I mean, you said about, see what happens next week in uh, in israel i think next week it be too late mm-hmm. i think somebody's got to do something now you're quite right it was it was it appears to be uh, the action appears to be on the, on the anniversary of uh, october the sixth uh war which i got i got caught up in that back in 73. wow i think i told you before when i was um, i was flying back from Johannesburg. Um, we landed at Nairobi. Uh, it was a huge 747. They'd only been out about a year. Um, the Nairobi, a lot of... Um, it filled up with Uganda nations who were, who were running from Uganda and direction straight to London. But somewhere over Libya, the Middle East War broke out. And they wouldn't let our plane out of Arab airspace. As the captain explained, gravity would eventually take effect. They wouldn't let us land either. And he, eventually, the, he's, he came on the radio and we were... We were, we, were, we were directed around uh, Africa and ended up going up the Red Sea to Iran. We landed in Tehran, where we were kept on the on the tarmac for hours and hours and hours and uh, had quite a bit of a distressing time there, but then eventually we were able to take off back to London again. So, Yeah. Um, we didn't know that happened, but obviously the, the, what was happening in the east, as we do now.
0: I think the the, the big thing that seems to have changed since those particular days is the immediacy of everything. I mean, the Internet obviously affected this and the way you get your news bulletins flashing up something that's actually happening within sort of, you know, minutes of the outbreak of something. There's a reporter there and they're all going around the world with the story. And, of course, um, is is it really necessary to get it that particular minute? Uh, maybe some people think it is. Maybe a lot of people think it isn't. But the immediacy of everything has certainly changed everything. And um, whereas in the past, Spain and and UK would have seen, uh, I won't say a lifetime away from the Middle East, but certainly where we used to talk about the Middle East as being a problem, I mean, it's the proximity now that uh, is a a great worry. You know, the the missiles uh, are are much more powerful. Um, It really does need everybody to be a little bit more serious about everything but no you switch on your tele- television sets and you've still got all the rubbish and um i don't know I, I just gave up i think what we'll do now then is i'll move on to actual uh things that have seen written up and i'll start with uh yes here's the first story we'll look at <laughs> So this one is the world teeters on a $235 trillion debt mountain and there is no magic wand to wipe it away. This is the head of the World Bank, um, uh, Ajay Banga, addressing the global finances bosses in Marrakech. The conference covered big issues such as global unrest, interest rates and climate. And of course, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen was also in attendance, uh, making that particular comment um, was uh, the RJ banger, um, you know, new new head of the World Bank. Um, But basically, um, I caught a comment, which I think if I can find it quickly enough, the US government could cut through, sorry, could through comics increase the price of gold by 20 or 30 times this would increase the value of their gold in fort knox by the same factor and in turn enable them to sell off a very small amount to clear all their current debt problem then solved for decades as borrowing could restart without a debt mountain in the way i mean we're getting to uh, it's almost like um, a surreal world when we look at comments like that is there any anything near that as, as something that would be valid well
1: you say things like that it's right who's got the control to put the price of gold up the price of gold is goes up and down by supply and demand really uh, when the um, when the currency market is, is, is vibrant then people invest in, in in currencies they don't invest in anything else when the currency market, it isn't which it isn't at the moment it's going the other way then people invest in gold invest in paintings stamps any sort of commodity that will give them a return and the, and the way that gold shot up in value over over a few years uh is incredible it was a massive it was a wonderful idea to invest in that at the right time but i don't see how any 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 uh exterior influence can affect the price of gold i can't see that one
0: Well, I didn't understand it, and that's why I'm pleased that uh, maybe it's difficult. Um, for yourself as well because I, I just didn't see where that was coming from but the other parts of the article obviously we will both uh, look at probably and, and see things like the Ukrainian war continuing to take its toll, the battle against inflation still not run, the prospect of interest rates remaining high uh, higher for longer threatening to drag the recovery and um, then talking about a soft landing uh, you know, if eventually things do improve um, the IMF forecast as seeing the global economy limping along, not sprinting, not even mentioning the challenges of trying to wean the world off fossil fuels in a way that is fair to developing countries lacking the resources to make the change and who in many cases will bear the brunt of climate change. All this with the world teetering on the uh, 235 trillion debt mountain and relations between the US and China, the world's two biggest economies, and who themselves have the biggest debt, strained at a time when uh, consensus is most needed. You see, look, if you wanted to totally depress anybody, uh, these are the sorts of articles that would easily do it. But the trouble is, too many people seem to think there's a parallel universe. That's the reality. But others think, you know, watching the TV, watching the soaps, watching these horrible reality shows, um, drag shows and all these other things that are on television, um, you know, is a better way to spend your time. And it's very difficult to try and wean anybody away from these sorts of things at the moment. And, you know, when you maybe try and make your own choices and just flick around channels looking for things. All I see is violence, and I don't don't want to stay around violence. I I don't like violence. I don't like to watch it. Uh, So, okay, you flick around again. Uh, Gratuitous sex, which is, again, uh, is not my bag. And, I, I mean, really, it's almost like people have not been making Any realistically nice, good, wholesome programs for quite a while, by the looks of things. Terry, um, do you find solace anywhere? (laughs) That'd be nice. Listen, apathy rules, Vince. The
1: world is run by apathy. People do nothing, people will stand back and watch things happen. That's why uh, people like Hitler can rise to power. They, they they bank on apathy. As a smaller group as Hitler's group was, they banked on the apathy of the population, and brought in a lot of fear, and told a lot of lies, and started to get a move behind them. Um, and countries do that. And what worries me more now? Um, well, I just go back a bit. Um, but we often go over to the states. Now going back a number, many many years ago, I remember watching the. US TV, which is very difficult to watch anything in America. US TV, because you've got adverts that go on for about 20 minutes, and they come on about every 10 minutes. So you get 10 minutes of a program, yeah, and a cup to an advert, well, an out, out, out advert break about 20 minutes. But what I noticed in the advert break was that companies that were perhaps selling uh, washing powder would spend all the time in their advert decrying and uh, and and, and delegating the 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 opposition had um, uh, washing powders. They were saying how bad such and such a washing powder is, uh, and how, how, how this and ours is much better. Of course, theirs makes you does bad things to your washing. Really, just selling a negative advertising for the for the for the for the for the other washing powder brand brands. And I thought that's that's slanderous. How the hell do you get away with? It? And all the adverts were virtually like that. Then, of course, you see it moving into American politics. The same thing, where they spend all their time. Mm-hmm slagging off um, viciously the opposition. Now you see it moving into British politics. Exactly the same things happen. Yeah. Whereas these things would never happen in British politics. They're now standing there. Certainly it's it last at the Prime Minister's question time on a Wednesday. It's just somebody has to write a few gags for the opposition and, and, and for, for those in power. So far off a few gags slagging and slandering the opposition parties or the, or the, the party in power. And that, that's so now we're being brought up the same. So it's going to—it's filtering into our lives. That all you have to do is slag off the person in front of you, um, and you're allowed to because obviously the government do it, and uh, the media have been doing it for years. So why don't we move in? That—that's where I see things happening badly in the world. Is we're, we're into we're, we're we're we are pushing forward confrontation. Which is not a good thing when you get to see what's happening now in Israel. The confrontation is the way forward. The confrontation and bury the other person in slanderous lies. That, that is is horrible. Um, and talking of confrontation and slanderous lies, the BBC, if you noticed, failed to use the word terrorists for Hamas. Yeah. And always have done. They'll never They'll never call Hamas terrorists. There's something very spintry, anti-Semitic going on at the BBC. Yeah,
0: well, we'll I. I think... Uh, one of the people that used to come on my radio show, uh, Tony Hiller, uh, with him being Jewish, sadly he's died now. But you know, he used to tell me of his fears, and this exactly was the way he felt London was going. He didn't feel safe in London, and um,
1: uh, I don't. I, I don't at all. No, I, well, we used to visit London an awful lot because my my mother-in-law um, lived in. Uh, Wembley. So it was great if you were going to stay with her, then we'd shoot off into London, get the, the the tube into London, have a day in London. And it was just a lovely experience. We used to go to the theater and have a wander around, look at the different things. Um, but now you're, you're looking with different eyes. You're wandering around a little bit cautiously. And I wouldn't be wandering around at night. No. And there's certainly, well, my daughter lives in um, Southwark, really, Surrey Keys, uh, but not far from where she lives, um, you would not be walking around at night. No. It, it's, it's certainly dangerous, and that's not good.
0: Okay, I'll move to specific articles now, Uh, so we'll go to uh, this one. Okay, for uh, this one, it is about Spain. Uh, It does have a connection with what we've been looking at, uh, something that happened uh, when Hamas attacked, but... Uh, Spain's National Police have arrested a man in Madrid who, allegedly, they're saying, sexually assaulted his uh, months-old baby daughter and offered her to strangers for sex. According to police, the suspect also filmed the abuse and used different social networks as well as instant messaging services to download and share the contents. The baby's mother, who was also arrested, held conversations with her partner in which they exchanged child pornography Uh, So this is a a press release from the Spanish National Police. And my uh, question, really, for us to look at is, where the heck are we going wrong when we've got people doing this to their own children? Uh, The sanctity of life is being usurped left, right and centre at the moment. And this is just one of the things I picked up and it was before we had the Hamas attack in actual fact uh, but, but because of what I read after and subsequent to all the things that are coming into the the news um, after that uh, outrage then you, you know something is totally wrong when those people um, and, and the sorts of things that we're reading on a daily basis involving the treatment of children and uh, the way parents or other adults um are not uh, looking after them that's what we're supposed to look after children i mean
1: the picture that you just described there is harrowing it's, um there's no doubt about it but you know um there's a gang of political warriors have just gone over invaded into another country and, and are, are being videoed cutting the heads off babies and children as part of their political war um evil exists we can't deny it. We have to accept it. You're not going to stop evil. It will always be there. Um, what do you do about it? Uh, I don't know. In the Western world, we lock them up. Uh, in other countries, they execute them. What do you do about it? What What is the correct way? Then you, 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 now you're coming around to is capital punishment correct or not? Because in the end, the only way you you are thinking is that these people are violent and don't deserve to exist on this planet. And you're quite right. But what do you do with them? I mean, we'll end up we haven't got an Australia to ship them to, which was very convenient in the old days. Yeah, um, but, but I'll tell you what, we're not far off having a rocket big enough to shoot them up into space on a one way trip. Um, it, it's I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open myself on the, uh, on the idea of capital punishment. Now, I'm saying capital punishment as a cure for evil. Mm-hmm. I think the only way to kill evil is literally to kill evil. Um, but I'm still open minded myself on uh, on capital punishment because of the of being very, very sure that you've got the right person um, who's to be executed, because there are historically many cases where the wrong person was executed. And I like to think that myself or anybody in my family were uh, were, were, were brought in um, and, and convicted and executed of a crime. Um, I, I, must, I, mean, this is, I won't go into it much, but I was actually um, literally dragged in by the Guardia Civil many, many years ago um, for uh, for armed robbery because there was it was armed robbery committed by somebody who had a, a, a green Range Rover, which I had at the time, and in escaping two armed robberies and in the second one they gave Chase and I and the, the armed robber the, collided with the, one of the, another vehicle and lost the corner of his bumper and the bumper on the old Range Rovers was, uh, was a, a 90 degree block rubber uh, piece that sat on, on, on either end of a steel bumper. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they got that, they recovered that. And so they've been looking for a green Range Rover, which there were very, very few, with a piece of the bumper missing on, on this particular side. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, my green Range Rover had a piece of bumper missing on the same side. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, they dragged me in. They gave me a bit of a hard time in the the outside, Um, But the only saving grace I had is that that the, that bumper was lost in an accident a couple of years previous. An accident which was still ongoing regarding a claim against it was a lorry that took took it off me uh, against a, the lorry driver. And as luck would have it, that very morning, I was going through a pile of paperwork in the in the in the intro and in the bottom of the intro, and there was this claim for the lot for the trying to claim the money back for this piece. And uh, I was going to throw it out. And I thought, no, I'm not throwing this out. I'm not letting that bloke get away. He's going to have to pay for this. Yeah, and i put it back. And thank God I did, because with that, there were some photographs taken at the local garage of the damage to the vehicle. And if I hadn't got those photographs, Vince, uh, I would have convicted myself of being guilty of armed mm-hmm. robbery because it fitted every single every single box that needed to be ticked. So I could theoretically have been a miscarriage of justice quite easily. Yeah, quite easily. Um, but luckily, I had the proof um, to, to, to turn that over. And thank God I did. But what if I didn't have it, Vince? And well, what if that case happens within a capital punishment uh, trial, where a bit of evidence that, that you need to prove your innocence isn't there. And yet everything is pointing your way. Um, it seems to me logical if if I went to trial that I would be convicted of of armed robberies. Yeah. Um, But that's the worry. So, yeah, for me, yeah, you have to fight evil, really, with evil.
0: Well, look, we've used the word evil a couple of times. And this now, to me, um, I'm understanding evil a whole lot more over the last few weeks. And, in fact, over the last couple of years, I... Probably think you might have well detected that I've moved in a spiritual sense a lot closer to my original religious roots. Um, Fully aware, by the way, that there's all sorts of people that get in the way to make religion look bad. And this doesn't surprise me because if there is such a thing as good and, uh, well, we know there's good and evil, uh, but if there's such a thing as the devil uh, then he's not going to sort of saunter down the road and tell everybody what he's going to do. I mean, he'll get in and make the religious side look bad. I don't understand it fully. I have to believe certain things uh, because otherwise I think it would drive you, around at the, 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 uh, drive you around the bend at the moment. So I'm going to go to uh, another. There is a link. It's a rather tenuous link, but um, it's worth dis- discussing. So I'll go to this one now. Been okay, now we've been uh, over the previous weeks, been looking at things like the transgender uh, sort of topic and uh, the attack on the family, and basically um, it's coming in all shapes and forms, and it's something that uh, is possibly about uh, ready to hit the the business community in um, a statement from the community, uh, UK um, uh, union, uh, talking about uh, a thing called the manopause they're talking about. Uh, You should not feel ashamed to talk about a normal biological change that every man experiences. If you're experiencing bullying or harassment because you are going through the andropause, they use that as well, your employer has a duty of care to prevent this larger unions such as Unison and the GMB do not mention male menopause but state the menopause affects a wide range of people, in its policy GMB states uh, people from the non-binary, transgender and intersex communities may also experience menopausal symptoms meanwhile Unison's guidance notes that trans women may experience pseudo-menopausal symptoms if their hormone Therapy treatment is interrupted. Community Union uh, was approached for its comments. Now, um, a comment which I think you will quickly relate to it's funny. How the self-employed electricians, plumbers, builders and other self-employed don't suffer this. But if you work in any government department, you will suffer from it. Strange that, isn't it? How's this going to work in the services, as in service on board ship, for example? Stop this insanity now. It's part of a big Article, bigger article, uh, which is talking about men having a manopause. Um, I mean, you you wonder really just how ridiculous things are going to get before the world wakes up to the nonsensical uh, way that um, anything that can affect normal family life, um, man, man, woman, whatever we're going to talk about. that's another one coming possibly down the pipelines towards your, um, your business. What do you make of it? Had you heard about it, and uh, how do you react to it?:
1: I've got a laugh. I mean, a building site's a bit of a different uh, situation. Uh, I was, I've said on many occasions, um, uh, if a woman comes to me uh, asking for employment as a, as a laborer or as, as a, skilled, a skilled person. Um, I haven't got a problem with that. She's got to prove to me, firstly, that she's physically strong enough to to do the job because it is a very you have to be physically strong, you have to be physically fit in the in the build as well um, to to do your job, um, and it, it's it's sadly most women won't fall into that category. Sadly mixed football is never going to happen, because of the physicality of the of the male gender, as opposed to the lesser physicality of the female gender. Does that mean football has to be banned? Well, it probably will be banned, Vince, because this present woke crap, which is sweeping the world, and has to be stopped somehow, is bordering on the ridiculous. I mean, I, I've said on many occasions, and more and more, more I think about it, I'm more determined to do it. I'm going to do my best to get cricket banned, simply because everybody attending a cricket match doesn't wear a hard hat, or safety glasses, <laughs> or toe protectors, because the idea of that cricket match is that somebody hits a very very hard ball into the crowd. That's the maximum points you can get. Yes. A crowd of undefended people. Meanwhile, my men painting white lines on the car park have to wear a hard hat, high vis robes, uh, web, web, uh, clothing as well, rope, I was going to say Spanish, clothing as well, but toe-tectors, eye protection, they have to wear all that in case, what, a rivet drops out of a plane as it flow overhead? Um, tell me. Now, if that has to happen to me now, in painting white lines on a car park, just explain to me, British government, how does cricket work? Because you've got to do the same to cricket. Now, the reason why I want to do that is to bring forward the very thing that we're talking about now, is that wokeness is a load of crap, because hopefully if, I can, if nobody can deny that I'm right about cricket and if that can gain enough movement, and imagine it will do quite quickly, because the snowflake be great to be on that like a, like a rocket, is that it'll hopefully, and I don't even like cricket, but there are many millions of people that do, hopefully It'll make a bit of a, a groundswell that will get the world thinking, Well, a minute, we, we've got to stop this before it goes any further. I'm not going to draw a, a comparison with Hitler and his rise to power in, in Nazi Germany, or pre-Nazi Germany. But it's apathy that wins, and we're guilty of apathy once again. We will moan about it, Vince. No one does anything about it. The, the, the tiny percentage of woke people have, have conquered the world. It's happened. It's happened. Let, let me now, get I, you... through I the manopause in my building business. Mm. I think, I'm out of it, mate. I'm, I'm gone.
0: Okay, uh, look, we are... We've both been around the block a few times, and therefore, when we see this, we can see, see it for what it is. And uh, of all the men that you've ever worked with or known who have been working in some capacity in their lives, have you ever heard of this particular, um, shall we say, malady. Have you ever heard of it? No, but what they should be discussing is mental illness. Well, me- that, that becomes, that's especially on
1: a building site. Building sites are basically places where people rib each other. Um, it's hard work, but we work hard and we play hard. And uh, classically, we'll, we'll be saying things in, in a man's will, which shouldn't be said to a woman, for instance. But we do. We call each other by, by um, not so not so not so clever names, shall we say? Yeah. But it's all part of, of the tough university commerce life that we live. But I've, uh, over the years, I've been very conscious of, of reactions of certain individuals when this is happening, and you can see that they're mentally they're being affected by it. Mentally they're being a little bit hurt, but they will they will put on a brave face because they don't want to be be any different. Um, and like the classic, some people just don't know when to stop. Um, and some we just have to stop this when things are happening. That, yes, certainly comes into play. Manipause does it exist. I don't know, mate. Why not? Everything else exists. You might as well go down and claim something for that.
0: No, it doesn't exist for me, Terry. I, I think there comes a point where you've got to rely on your education and your experience. And my education and my experience tells me that this has never happened. If, if it did happen, it would only be probably involving the 0.03%, which is, uh, shall we say, an exceptional category. And uh, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I, I feel very, very strongly about this. because It,
1: it can only happen if, if, if a, a man has, has got um, female hormones. In which case, you're now moving into that 0.3% category of people you're looking at. And I feel very, very sorry for that. But the world will have you believe it's not 0.3%, it's 30%. And it's not. And this has to be recognised and has to be acted upon and stopped. Now, there's too many people jumping on this invisible bandwagon and and, and declaring that the king isn't naked, that he's actually, he's actually fully dressed, as yeah. per Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, we all know he's no. We actually no. He's actually naked. He hasn't got anything on. No, 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 no. He's fully dressed. And apathy again will defeat us all. And sadly, that's what happens in this world.
0: Okay, uh, let's move to um, let's move to something which is um, a little bit lighter. But there is a connection. okay so we're living la vida loca that was the not the real connection the real collection connection is that a recent investigation has uncovered a scandal involving two spanish wine producers accused of selling millions of liters of wine Falsely labelled as crianza, reserva, and gran reserva, two leading Spanish wine producers are now under the spotlight. On Wednesday, uh, September the fourth, Valdepeñas, a prominent wine-producing region in Ciudad Real, saw two of its major wine magnates, Felix Solis v- Yanez and Jose Garcia Carrion, being summoned by the national court. Mutual accusations lead to investigation. Associations ASAJA and COAG after years of demanding transparency handed over documents to the Ciudad Real prosecutor's office these papers revealed accusations between those two people suggesting that the sale of an unaged wine as aged uh, garthia carrion's complaint mentioned a clear indication of fraud by felix solis alleging that two out of every 3 of uh, his bottles of aged wine were actually not aged uh, court summons and implications and Felix Solis, the CEO and president of wineries under his name, is scheduled to testify on December the 11th. The week prior on December the 4th, Jose García Carrión, associated with the Don Simon and Pata Negra uh, brands will face the court both the charge with fraud, misleading and advertising and falsifying documents. Now, uh, first question I must ask you, are you any sort of a connoisseur of wine?
1: No. And I don't know anybody who is. I know an awful lot of people who think they are. Yes. But I don't. I know what I like. Um, and I've been I've been with people where we've opened seven or eight bottles of wine throughout a meal. Uh, and the last one I think was three hundred and fifty Euros a bottle. And to me it was absolutely rubbish. Yeah, the guy said it was praising. It's look, okay, this is really good so no it's not it's no good for me. Um well, yeah look at them explaining the wine and the notes etc etc i said no I, I drink what i like to drink and this to be honest with you tastes bloody awful i'd send it back because he looked at me a bit strange i said but we, we're all different aren't we? we don't all wear the same clothes we don't all wear the same aftershave we don't all, we don't all support the same football team apparently mm-hmm. we don't all like the same wine and i think <laughs> these these spaniards have perhaps jumped on a winner there that um the, the, the great unwashed to which I'm a member, wouldn't know a good wine from a from a from a, a, re, a, a really a good wine from a bad wine. Uh, it, I know ones I like, and I, I've drunk some really nice wines, and they do tend to be a bit more expensive. I'm talking about a bit more expensive. Yeah. Uh, I now, for instance, I had a, a, um, some wine the other day. In fact, I took a picture of the label because I've no reason to believe that it was any more than a normal wine in the price range because of the establishment that we were drinking it in but to me it was a very very nice wine and to the people we were dining with so I've never heard of it so I took a picture I couldn't tell you the name it's on my camera I took a picture of it and I'm going to try and find out where that is because if it is I like to go and a, buy a bottle to see if it's still tasting good and B, uh, get a case of it because it's got to be at a decent price um, so it could be a good wine masquerading as a cheap wine uh, in price. I don't know, but I know I liked it. I know the people sat at our table liked it. So I think these have been very clever. (laughs) I mean, when we talk about Don Simon, this is for people who don't know, this is the the cardboard carton of wine on the shelf is Don Simon. So having said that, Vince, do you realize, and I won't mention the name, that one of the Spain's um, most um, well-known winemakers, shall we say, uh, use Alicante wines uh, to, to blend with their, their very famous wines because their very famous wines are too acidy and the Alicante wines are very fruity the grape is very fruity Yeah. so they, they blend the Alicante wines with their acidy wines to make a, uh, a, a, a flavour that is passable and, and well loved by the patrons of that make which, is a, which are wines that are sold at quite a lot of money compared to the normal stuff Um, So I don't think these guys that have been picked up are too far away. The the fraud happens where you don't tell people, but the fraud also happens when no one tells me when I'm drinking these quite expensive wines. For me, expensive means if I got to pay 35 euros for a bottle of wine, that's in the expensive side of things. No one doesn't say on the bottle anywhere that that it's actually blended with Alicante wines, which we know are quite cheap. doesn't say that. So how far down the road does this fraud want to go? I think these, there's something that might come out about this in this fraud case. Yeah. You know, as much. How far down the road is, is, a, is the fraud enacted? I think it's enacted more than we think.
0: Well, I know many, many years ago, I'm talking lots of years, certainly maybe even 50 years ago, um, my sister had gone to live in France. She'd married a French chef, and uh, she came across to, uh, uh, you know, we wanted to take her out for a nice meal, came across for for a visit and we took her to Chester to a place called the Plantation Inn. And um, because it was time for the bottle of wine to be uh, brought in, um, we were asked would we like to sample it. So we asked uh, Jacques if he'd like to sample it. And, um, you know, he did his sort of swigging and tossing the head back and everything. And uh, the next minute, a lot of French words were coming out. And um, he explained in no uncertain terms that the wine wasn't suitable. And uh, the waiter scurried away, came back, did exactly the same process, uncorked the bottle, poured out the wine. Jacques did exactly the same, was furious with the waiter, who came back with a third bottle. And Jacques was happy with it. Okay, so the moral of the story is this. Uh, Jacques recognised his own grandfather's wine. And with him being a master chef, he knew his wines. It was just an absolute coincidence that it happened to be in this particular place. But there are people that can tell you virtually to the exact grape what they're drinking and where it was, um, you know, where it was actually uh, bottled and all that sort of stuff. Um, And, in fact, um, Rita went on, my sister went on to uh, own a bistro, and I was in there one night when they had a €2,000 bottle uh, full of dust and everything, which they were busy um, uh, tasting, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have wanted a bottle of vinegar, never mind uh, what, what that looked like. No. But it, it no. does show you, doesn't it? Well, how much of it is pretentious and how much of it is... Um
1: well, never, never be afraid. You know, you who's going to taste the wine, says the, the waiter. You're quite right. Tell the waiter to taste it. That's yeah. what should happen. Yes. Uh, because most people probably wouldn't know what you're looking for. You know when it's mustard. It, it's called corked. And there's, there is the bottom of the problem. All wines are... All wines. Wines have a cork in the top. Cork is a natural product. And... Up to, it used to be, years ago, they used to say, there can be, in any, any case of wine, i.e. 12 bottles, one bottle, bad, in any case of wine. Nothing wrong with the, the, the wine when it was bottled, it's the cork that was put into it. Hence now, plastic corks are, are, are more and more um, de vigueur, shall we say, but it's de But it's, it's the, the idea, oh, it's got a plastic cork in it, that's bloody rubbish in it, or screw top. There's nothing wrong with screw top. It's the cork <laughs> that destroys the wine. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with what the stopper you put in the top as long as it's airtight. That's where it needs to be. So um, I, I, can, I can fully understand what happens. Uh, but you're quite right. When they say who's going who's to uh, taste the wine, you say, well, grab a glass. You, pal. You're the one yeah. to taste it. You tell me.
0: All right, Terry. And, um, got a couple more stories to finish off today. It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. So here in Spain, thousands of protesters took to the streets of Barcelona to show their anger towards Pedro Sanchez's potential Catalan amnesty deal, which we did allude to last week. The people of Spain watch on nervously as their acting Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez continued to play political games with Catalonia as he tries anything he can to get in power on a full-time basis. It's believed that Sanchez is looking to strike up a deal with the separatist parties of Catalonia, Catalonia, with many people thinking this is the best and potentially only way that it can get a majority to become the country's official prime minister. Now, have we moved any further down the line? I know we've had this, um, well, we've, we've got our second uh, of uh, Valencia's, certainly, uh, second fiesta today. Uh, we've got the national fiesta today. But did is there any sign of this government crisis being solved?
1: Well, no, it's a short answer. We're looking at a January the 14th, uh, January election again, as far as I'm concerned. I think he's got um, the, the, the incumbent Prime Minister, Sanchez. I think he's got until the 27th of November, if I'm right. Would that be right? Or is it the 27th of October? I can't remember. Um, to form a government. What does that mean? He hasn't got a majority. He never had a majority anyway he had a coalition with uh, the Podemos party, which is extreme far left somewhere, somewhere out way left in the distance. That's how far left their party was. That he, yeah. went, in, he, he went into bed with. So he's, he's no stranger of climbing into bed with people. And his latest idea is that he needs seats to gain the majority. And Catalonia have an important number of seats that he wants to get. Of course, they are demanding all manner of, 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 of changes, in other words, exoneration of the the uh, of the criminals that um, that led the party. They are criminals because they've been tried in their absence, and declared criminals. So they fled to um, to the EU, and the EU supposedly are supposed to capture criminals and send them back to the country, but never happened. strangely enough. In fact, they were living in Brussels. They were living actually living in Brussels. Yes. Yeah. Um, But they're demanding that these people are exonerated and brought back to Spain as heroes. They're demanding that Catalonia has a free election for independence and he will give it them. He will prostitute himself and the whole country just for power, just so he can remain in power and he will give it them. But the Catalan Party are, are making a big mistake because by demanding all this, which is basically the prostitution of the country, if they fail, if Sanchez fails with their help to get the required majority, then it goes to another general election in January the 14th. And if, when that happens, if the voting is stronger for the, 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 the right-wing Conservative Party and the ultra-right-wing party which supports them, which is called Vox, then they, they may well guess. The majority needed, and if they do get the majority needed, they will bury Catalonia. They will go. They will go against everything that they've been um, harping about. The Catalans for for, for for freedom, for their their their, their freedom fighters, freedom fighters, and and free national and free um, Catalan elections for, to form their own country. They will they will bury Catalonia. They will strip everything from them. I promise you. So. The harder that the Catalans are going in to, 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 to get what they want, that if they fail, if Sanchez fails to get the majority with those votes, and he may well do, then I think the Catalans will be, will be wiped off the face of the earth. And I'm not talking, we're not talking Palestine here, we're talking politically. Yeah. Politically, the, the Catalan movement would be, would be eradicated. As you could <laughs> say it's eradicated as a terrorist act, if you like, but in, in, the, in the eyes of Spaniards, it probably is. Um, so interesting times that we live in, Vince. No, it's not all over. And I don't think we'll be having until January the 4th, to be honest with you.
0: Okay, uh, here's one coming. So we're off to a tiny Cornish hamlet next. Okay, this is uh, appropriately called Travalga, but not Trafalgar, but Travalga. It's a little Cornish hamlet uh, sold to a billionaire real estate family for £16 million. Now this has ended a decade-long battle and sparked fears families could even be evicted from their homes. So it's a picturesque, I don't know the place I've got to be honest, Um, it's a 1,200 acre uh, near a big uh, tourist attraction, which of Course, we will know Tintagel, where the castle is and King Arthur and all that sort of stuff. But they're worried they could be kicked out of their homes with their quiet way of life potentially ruined. The village of Cornwall's northern coastline has been bought by the William Pearr's Group for the eight figure sum. So this really Uh, is against the background of people from the likes of Cornwall, Wales, uh, maybe even places like Yorkshire, uh, where, you know, the the young local people, uh, Spain, of course, um, is a possible way to look at it as well, can't get on the um, property ladder because they can't get work and all that sort of stuff. Um, But really, you know, big business can come down from London and um, just buy up a whole village. Now, obviously, that's more of your sort of area, really. But would you approve of that?
1: No, no, not at all. You're destroying communities. It nearly happened here, Vince. It nearly happened in my little town of Alfaz del P. A little sleepy village was a bit bigger now. It's, it's grown and grown and grown. I think there was, I think there was three thousand inhabitants so just under when I came here. there's probably twenty-five thousand now or more. Yeah. Um, but prior to the, the, the 2007 eight crash, property prices in my village, I stress my village, were horrendously high. Wonderful. My house uh, doubled in price. Literally overnight, it was, you know, prior to the crash, it was just going up and up and up. It was, no word of a lie, it was worth basically a million euros. Never a million euros is this house worth a million euros. But in the property market of the area where we live, it would have been. And um but what happens is the kids born here, brought up here, reaching the their teenagers and getting married, have to leave. They cannot afford to to live in the village. No one could. So the village becomes really a gray area. When I say a gray area, it's full of people with gray hair and and basically, that's what it still is, to be honest with. You. there are far more pe- old people. And I class myself as one of them, living in my village. Then, 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 young people. Well, you naturally assume that as a percentage. But what I'm getting, at, I know. What should I hazard a guess at? Young people. What do we call young people? Let's say uh, 30, 30, uh, 30 to, to 20, 30 years to 20 years of age. Shall okay. we say prime? Get married, start your family, get your house. Uh, I would imagine if they're 10% of the population, I think that'd be about it. Not good. It, the, the whole will the village will die physically die with us as we drop off this this mortal coil, it will die. We will no longer exist, and so the the, so the, the we are the population of the village. Now when you apply that to what's proposed in the, in the village in Cornwall, it's tantamount to the same thing. You're destroying oh, it's only just a small community. Yes, it is only just a small community, if that's what you, you consider destroying is okay. But then you know what happens then. It's, it's another one and another one. And and, corp- and corporate values take over. No, I'm totally against it. I'm, I'm very against it. There should be something uh, about the, 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 the cultural nature and makeup of any village. And bless the cotton socks here in Spain, we have the are just coming up now shortly. The local fiestas is when the whole village lets its hair down. My God, do they do, they do it. Um, and, and really comes together in time honoured tradition. Uh, it, it, officially it's about goes on for about two weeks, but unofficially it gets about four or five days of absolute joyous um drunkenness, mm-hmm. something else. Um nobody gets there's no fighting, there's no trouble. Brass bands are everywhere. There's literally be thirty or forty brass bands fine for fine for who's got the who's playing the loudest music. Um, you, you're woken up about 7 in the morning with fireworks every morning. Um, that's, that's, you don't need an alarm clock, pal. Uh, but this is this is their culture. This is what they've always done. And they fight for it and they maintain it. And I love them for doing it. I love the Spaniards for doing that. And I never stop praising them for doing it. And I instill in them that you must keep doing this sort of thing to keep your culture and your society together. Because in England, it's gone. Tell me how many uh, villages have uh, Fiesta where everybody gets together. I'll tell you how many—probably none. Yeah, that's someone's going to come back at me now about that for sure. That, or I believe does. But in reality, it's it's so far down after the decimal point, you can call it none. I, I wouldn't. I didn't even know my neighbour's name when I was the last time, last place I lived in the UK. I had a, I lived in a duplex apartment, and the old boy lived underneath. I didn't even know his name. I went to work and kept my eyes straight forward, and uh, didn't, you know, never never spoke to anybody. Yeah, here in Spain. If you even just have eye contact with the person you're passing in the streets, what do you say? Buenos dias.
0: Buenos dias, yeah. Yes,
1: always. Mm-hmm. You always say that. Try that in England. Terry. Um, what are you looking at, mate? What do <laughs> you want? Well, can you imagine? Well, it's, it, this can never be lost. It should never be lost. It's something we have to fight for in Spain. But you're sadly, so it right. Like it's, starting in, it's starting It's uh, The evilness of that is starting in, in Cornwall.
0: Yeah. Okay. Look, uh, we're right on the hour. So once again, Terry, we put the world. I wonder if we can't put the world to rights. Uh, no, our thoughts. Sorry, I, I was getting carried away there. Our thoughts Here must we're. be with all the people <laughs> suffering in Israel and uh, certainly that part yeah. of the world, and elsewhere. It's not a not a nice world to be looking at at the moment. No, but something. Thank goodness for Spain and Spanishness. Uh, Terry, thanks very much indeed for your company.
1: And you, Thank
0: Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, Terry. See,